Romans chapter 6 and verse number 8. Last week we were looking at the building blocks. How do we walk in that newness of life? How do we live our life through the new man? So we notice, first of all, that the key to the new life, the foundation of the new life, is walking with an understanding of what you now are. Realizing, essentially, the change that has occurred from when you got saved to you, um, what you were before you were saved to what you are now, to say it more simply. So what are the examples? Anybody remember? Verses 3 through 5 is the example of baptism. So he uses the example of baptism to show when somebody gets baptized, what happens to them. When they're baptized, they're going under the water, they're dead to their old ways, and they are alive unto God. Well, in verses 6 through 8, what he's going to do is he's going to give the example of Christ being raised from the dead. Christ was crucified, and now he is alive evermore. So it's a little bit of a transition here. You were dead and now are alive. Now we have Christ dead, alive forevermore. And he's showing through the progression of illustration, the new man is actually a permanently changed state that will never be altered. In other words, you are new because of the work that God has done in you, and that will never change. That's why it is ridiculous to think you can lose your salvation. You cannot lose your salvation. God obtained it. He saved you. He redeemed you. And you now have a new nature. And that nature is sustained by him. And in the example of verses 8, 9, and 10, let's read that real quick. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion or control over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in he liveth, he liveth unto God. That's you. You were dead in your sin. Christ redeemed you, and you are now alive evermore. So this fact that you are spiritually alive will never change. You will always be alive unto God. You will always have the new nature and always have the possibility of new life within you. So the thrust of the New Testament is to live as that new man in submission to God so that you are then now, now then empowered by the new man, by the Holy Spirit who indwells the new man. So when we are saved, the nature, the old man was, is said to be crucified. His authority is taken away so that we can now live 100% for Almighty God. Now that means that you are no longer under the slavery of the old nature. Now how many of you that are saved sometimes feel a passion that is wrong? Maybe it is a sexual passion, maybe it is a carnal passion for, for possessions, you're placing things above the Lord, covetousness, uh, maybe it is a desire to deceive, to get your way, to manipulate. Well, that is part of your, your old nature. It's still there. But that's not all that is there. That's the key. You have the old nature. It's still there. But you also have a new nature. Now, I don't want to confuse you. The Bible, we use several different words to talk about the same thing. It'll talk about the old man, the old nature, and the flesh. 
ex almost the exact same thing. The new man, the new nature, being led by the spirit, almost the exact same thing. He's using different terms. They're slightly different, but for our purposes, they're the same. To speak of who you were and who you now are. So success or defeat in your Christian life depends upon who you are presently yielding to. Your old nature is still there. It still has flesh and passion. And if you watch a really carnal, a really violent, a really sensual movie, the old man is going to get active. And he's going to start saying, come to me and place yourself under me. Make yourself my slave. Come under my dominion. And if you yield yourself to your old man, you'll sin unto death and to ruin. But you don't have to. You still have a new man. How is the new man made strong? Scripture. Through reading scripture, through meditating on scripture, through prayer, through listening to sound gospel preaching, fellowship with other believers, the Christian disciplines are strengthening that new man that is in you. Okay? So we're speaking of the change that has occurred. So verses 3 through 5 is the illustration of baptism to cement that into you. Verses 8 through 10 is the example of resurrection to cement the change that is in you. Why does he do that? Because you've had your flesh your whole life. You've been unsaved your whole life. And now you have a new nature. And the old flesh, you know that really well. But you don't know your new nature very well. The new person that you are. And so he's making it clear that you have a new nature. Now listen, as we go through this, if you don't understand everything I'm talking about, don't tune out. You will understand part of it. I'll come back around to it and pick you up, okay? It's kind of like the bus going around. We'll pick you back up and take you on and, and show you this a little bit more completely. It's just that as we go through it, it is a little bit technical as we're talking about it. So what is he saying? Well, look at verse number 11. He's going to look at the word reckon. Now, likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ your Lord. What does the word reckon mean? Reckon means to add it up. It's literally a Greek word which means to account. To look at what God has said. Add up the facts. You were this. A change occurred in your life, and you are now this. What are one of the proofs that you, that you can see this? Sin. What was sin like before you got saved? That well, was pretty pleasant. A little bit of remorse. I'm created in the image of God. And yeah, it was um, kind of ruinous and miser miserable, but there was pleasure in it. What is sin like now that you're saved? <sighs> totally different. When you sin now that you're saved because you have the new nature in you, what happens? Yeah, there might be a little temporary pleasure, but it's explosive. The Holy Spirit's within you, and you're like, ugh, oh, man, ugh. You never did that before you were saved. You were just glad you got away with it. You just kind of just hated the, the fact that you had a little bit of guilt and wanted to do it again. You, you, had, you created the image of God. You had a sense of right and wrong. But, you know, you did sin because you enjoyed it, and there wasn't that much consequence. Now that you're saved, when you sin, it's like, there's a lot that's going on. 
with that sin, there's a lot of turmoil. And you have to completely repent of that sin if you're going to walk with God again. In other words, God's going to say, you got to say, I am sorry. I will never do this again. I repent of it. And then God says, okay, well, we can be back in fellowship again. So he says, add it up. You are different. You are not nearly what you were before you were saved. Reckon yourself to be dead indeed unto sin. Reckon the power of sin has been broken. Though present, it is not in ascendancy. It is not in control anymore. What is in control? The new nature and the Holy Spirit who empowers you. Christ is indwelling you. He's abiding in you. And you're abiding in him through keeping the word. That's what you now are. That is your position. It is so crucial that you understand that throughout the day, that that position is what you now are in your life. You're no longer like an unsaved man, dead in your sins, under the authority of flesh, swayed by the devil, the world, and all kinds of other things that come into your life. You are new in Jesus Christ. Let not, verse number 12, what does he say? Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Because I'm new, why do I want to crank up the sin in my body? You know, we talk about things, really simple things like, um, what kind of music are you listening to? Because if you're listening to this violent rap music or this really sensual worldly singer that doesn't know Christ, and is singing about immoral relationships and her sorrow or his sorrow in a relationship. Come on, what are we doing there? We're listening to that music. What's happening here? Look at verse number 12. Sin is reigning in your natural body that's left. And it's engendering passion and lust. It's pushing you to obey that, to think thoughts that are contrary to the way God wants you to think. To be in a posture or a place that God doesn't want you to be. So he says, don't do things that cause a sin to reign in your flesh. So what do we talk about a lot? We talk about pulling back, living separate from the world. Remember this morning I said, so we're raising our kids. We didn't have a TV. I don't want that worldly rubbish in my house. Come on, I'm going to let my kids surf the net. You know, play these violent games. What does it say? Look at verse 12 again. Let not sin, therefore reign, assume the ascendancy, make you a slave to it in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lust thereof. He'll talk about that a little bit more in a minute. But if you give in to sin, what's going to happen? Sin is going to become big and controlled in your life. Remember the two dogs illustrations. You've got one dog, the old nature, we'll call it the black dog. You feed him, and he's going he's gonna to be there. He's going to be strong. He, you're going to feel him. You're going to sense him. You're going to know him. Feed the white dog, the good dog, the new nature, the new man. You feed him, and you're going to know that, and he's going to be. That's why it's important to sing hymns, to meditate upon Scripture, to rehearse the good things, whatsoever is lovely, whatsoever is of good report in your life because it is bringing you under that control. Now this is really, really interesting. 
The battle of your Christian life is not what you do or do not do. It's who you will surrender your life to. That is crucial. If you present yourself to the old nephew, if you let sin reign in your life, in other words, you leave things in your life that are carnal. You leave aspects of your life open to, to demonic control, to the stuff that your flesh loves that is forbidden by God, then you're going to yield to that. You're yielding to that, and that's going to have control in your life. You have to separate from that. Listen, we fight the devil, but we run from temptation. You never put temptation in your life. Never leave temptation in your life. You always remove that from you. Because if you allow that temptation, if you bring that into your life, you will become under its control very easily, very quickly. So the battle of your life is not doing this or not doing that. The much bigger battle is who are you yielding to? Who are you surrendering to in your life? Verse number 13. Neither yield ye your members. That's you. That's your person. As this instrument, this tool or weapon of unrighteousness onto sin. But yield. Turn over your life onto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as these instruments are tools of righteousness unto God. The word instrument could be a weapon or tool. So I am not to hand myself over, gift myself to the old nature. I am to consciously present, hand over my life to the new nature for God to fill and to use as however he decides, however he wants to use it. That is a continual process that should be happening in your life. Throughout the day, each day, you are yielding yourself to the new man, to God, to the Holy Spirit's filling, to Christ's abiding. You're constantly doing that to the new nature within you. And God's empowering you. He's enabling you to live an empowered life because of that. So the battle is never what you will or will not do. That's very local. So if you are or not, are not doing certain things, that's, that's localized. Pull up from that and look at the bigger picture. What's in control of your life? What is dominating your thoughts and the actions of your life? You know, the truth of the matter is, you do not have the ability to defeat your sin by trying harder. You can. If you've ever tried to overcome a sin by saying, I am going to become more disciplined, and I'm going to work harder, and I am going to make this happen, what happened? You're not dealing with personal discipline. You're dealing with sin in your old nature. And sin in your old nature cannot be defeated just by discipline or application and, or trying harder and harder to defeat that sin. You cannot defeat the sin that way. Effort is an aspect of it, but it is subjective. It is under the authority of the new man, of the new person that you now are. The unsaved man is under law, and we are not. We are under the Spirit and the control of the Holy Spirit in our lives.
So how many of you have thought that you could be your own master? That you could carve out this Christian life? That through your works, through your attempts, you can become this woman. You can actually accomplish these things. And it doesn't work. Because you're in a spiritual battle. You're in a battle between your old nature and your new nature. That's really what you're actually fighting here. And all you're really doing is submitting yourself, yielding yourself, surrendering yourself to either nature. That's the essential battle that every one of us is in. And then that will determine how effective we are in that battle. So in verse number 14, he's going to change gears. And he's going to start talking about law. And he's going to go in a completely different direction here because he wants to show you again. He's going to heighten. He's going to lift it. It's a technical discussion. He's going into why you don't act the way that you act. There's a way you acted before you were saved, and there's a way you acted now that you are saved. So he's taking you a little deeper to see something. So in verse number 14, we'll kind of turn a corner. He says, for sin shall not have dominion over you, control or absolute authority in your life anymore. It's broken. And then he gives this little statement. For you are not under the law, but under grace. What does he mean by that? What is he talking about there? What is an unsaved person under? Law. Law. What does the law do? I'll talk about it in a minute. It, it heightens the conscience. It creates an increased awareness of sin. That's what the unsaved is doing. That's, that's who they are. So the law is out there. They're in their sin. They're dead to God. But the, the image of God is imprinted on them. Look with me in Romans 2 and verse number 13. Romans chapter 2 and verse number 14, excuse me. Romans 2, 14. And the law just guides them. It reveals their sin. It reveals what's right and wrong. So in a sense, they can avoid some of the misery of sin, but it also shows them they're imperfect, so they'll turn to God and trust God. Romans chapter 2 and verse number 14. For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these, having not the law, are a law unto themselves. What is he saying? He's essentially saying the Gentiles have the law. They're accountable to God because within them, they know right and wrong. Isn't it interesting to watch the unsaved in their stories, in their movies, the battle they have with their, the law, which is in them. They know right and wrong. It's because they're created in the image of God. It's what makes them different from an animal, from a horse or a dog. They don't have the law of God imprinted on them. Look at verse number 15. Would show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. So God has caused them to feel the weight of their sin without any Bible. They know it's wrong. It's part of the way that they are. So the people around us, they try to do right. And society creates a culture of right and wrong so that it can function. The law of God is written in them, in their heart. But I want you to see, the law is what is guiding them. In other words, performance. 
The law is telling them, here's how you have to act. Here's how you have to think. Here's how you have to behave. Here's what you can do. Here's what you should not do. The law is guiding them. So God gave the law to convict them. God gave the law because it increases, it heightens their awareness of sin in their life. It clarifies. For ye are not under the law, but under grace. Do you see that? You're not an unsaved person who's just under law, who's got this really deadened conscience, who's, who's not spiritually awakened. You don't have a new nature. They don't have the Holy Spirit. They've just got this blunt instrument of the law. And that blunt instrument clarifies things to them. Is that who you are as a believer? No. That's not who you are at all. Well, yeah, the law reveals some things to me. And as I read the law, it kind of informs me a bit. But come on, I'm saved. I have the Holy Spirit within me. I have a much more clear, much deeper understanding of right and wrong. I'm far more sensitive, far, far more in touch with what's holy and what's evil. That's why he says in verse 14, you're not under the law. You're under grace. You're under the favor of God. Now, is the law good? Yeah, the law is good. Look at me in 1 Timothy chapter 1. Keep your finger there in Romans 6, but look in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 8. First Timothy chapter one and verse number eight. But we know that the law is good. If a man use it lawfully, is the law done away? Is the law no more? Absolutely not. The law is very present. If I steal, that's sin. If I lie, that's sin. If you live in a way that is contrary to law, you have sinned. The law has revealed that to you. The blunt instrument has worked. The law is most definitely still there. It is good. It just does not have the power to make me good. If you get a, a prescription from the doctor, in the prescription, there'll be an instruction leaflet. The instruction leaflet will tell you when to do something, and it will also teach you how to do something. However, the law, it cannot give you the power that the medicine can. The medicine will make you righteous. The medicine will help you, but the law won't. I mean, the, the leaflet won't. It'll just tell you what to do. In the same way, the law shows me what I should or should not do, but it's not like medicine. It doesn't give me the power or the strength to do what is right. So God simply gave the law to heighten the conscience of sinners, to increase their awareness of what sin is. Look at Romans chapter 7 and verse number 1. We'll take this a little bit further, then jump back to Romans chapter 6. Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law, how the law hath dominion over a man as long as he liveth. In other words, the law has authority. Whether you're saved or unsaved, the law most definitely will judge you. 
You have a new nature, and you are to live above and beyond the law. I'll talk about that in a minute. But the law has dominion in your life from the day you're born until the day you die. You die. Verse number two. The woman which hath an husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth. But if he be dead, she is loose from the law of her husband. In other words, a woman cannot divorce a man. We, the, we have the exclusion of adultery. Um, but aside from that, she can't divorce the man because she's married to him. However, if he is dead, she is freed from the husband. Do you see where he's going? Look at verse number three. So then if, while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she's freed from the law, so that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. She, in order to have a legitimate release from the marriage, her husband must be dead. He must be no longer active, no longer present in her life. That's exactly what God did in your life. He destroyed your subjection to the law. As, an old, as the old nature and as the old man, you were under it, a slave to it. It was always over you. It was always guiding you. You had no power. You were under its dominion every day of your life. And then God killed it by giving you a new nature and a new way to exceed the demands of the law. Look what he says in verse number four. Wherefore, my brethren, ye are become dead to the law by the body of Christ. In other words, you got saved. And you have a new nature, a new leading, a new power in your life. That you should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. What is he saying? Before you got saved, who were you married to? You were married to Mr. Law before you got saved. That's who you were married to. And because the old nature died, you were divorced from Mr. Law, and you were married to Jesus Christ. So you had a foundational change to the law. Before you were saved, and the unsaved people around us, live as if they're under law, performing, trying to keep the law. They don't have the power. All the law did was reveal to them the difference between right and wrong. They don't have the strength or power to do it, but they're under it. And then you got saved, and everything changed. As soon as you got saved, you were married to Jesus Christ, and he gave you a new nature, the new man. And that's way different. <clears throat> that's in you as well as the old nature. And that new nature gives you the power to live beyond the law as you yield to it, as you submit to its control in your life. Do you see that? That's really, really powerful, really, really important. Romans chapter five, and uh, Romans seven and verse five, excuse me. From we were in the flesh, unsaved, just in the flesh, your old nature, no new nature, no Holy Spirit. The motions of sin, the passions of sin, which were by law, did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. Now, he'll talk about this more in Romans 7. What he's saying is this. When you were unsaved and you learned the Ten Commandments, was there something within you that said, oh, I want to do the Ten Commandments? No. When you learned 
the Ten Commandments, and you learn law, the perversity of the old nature said, thou shalt not lie, and you're like, well, I could lie. The perversity of your nature said, thou shalt not covet, I am going to covet. The perversity of your nature said, thou shalt not steal, well, I may take something. The rebellion of the old man, the passions of law began to. So now, what happens if you say, okay, I'm going to keep this law, I'm going to do this law. Your old nature, you're living as the old man, and your old nature is going to flare up against that law. See, that's not the way that you approach being the person that God wants you to be. That's how you lived before you were saved. You were performing according to the law of God, however much law you knew, to keep that, and you never had the power to do it. Now that you are saved, you are living in a completely different way. For when you were in the flesh, the motions of sin, which were by the law, did work in our members to bring forth the fruit unto death. That's what you were. So what it means is this. The law is still valid, but I'm a believer and is no longer suitable as a guide for me and how I should live and what I should do and what I should not do, per se. It still informs me, but that is not my manner of living. That's not the way I conduct my life. Saying, okay, this is right and this is wrong. I'm going to do this and I'm not going to do this. How do I live now? I surrender. I yield to the new nature and the new man. And as I am strengthened to do right, I can be right. I can think right. I can be the woman, we can be the woman or the man that God wants us to be, but not as I used to live before I was saved. What did you do before you were saved? I'm going to do this, I'm not going to do this, I'm going to do this. Law. Lost in your sin, no new nature, no Holy Spirit. Now that you are saved, you are changed and you live differently, which means that we serve with a freshness with a power, spirit-led, liberty, freedom, of the Holy Spirit. He gives a direction and the strength that I now need. And that's who I now live under. That's who I present myself to as a believer. Now, the fabulous and amazing relationship to God becomes dominant in my life but it never brings me to a point of living beneath the law. It's really important. Notice what the Bible says. The law and its standard is never reduced. That's antinomianism, which I'll talk about here in just a minute. The Bible teaches that the law is still there. I'm just not under it as an unsaved man. Because I'm led by the Spirit, I will now overcome the lust of the flesh. I will now exceed the demands of the law. The law says you shall not hate, I'll love. The law says you shall not steal, I'll be generous. The law says you shall not lie, I'll, I'll speak truthfully, transparently, openly, without fear or consequence. The Holy Spirit will enable me to go way beyond what the law is doing. So I'm not conducting my life as an unsaved man knowing the law, trying to keep it, trying to muster up enough strength to do it, 
I'm yielding to the Spirit. And he's empowering me to keep the law. He's giving me the desire and the strength to actually be and do what I could never be or do before I yielded to the Holy Spirit. Look with me in Galatians 5. Galatians chapter 5. Let's begin in verse number 18, and then we'll skip down to verse 13. But if you be led of the Spirit, you're not under law. In other words, he's speaking of a saved person. He said, if you're saved, you're not under law. That's what an unsaved person does. That's how he lives. It's his manner of life. The law is still there, but you are not under law like an unsaved person. If you are led of the Spirit... So those that understand their position and understand who they are in Christ and present themselves as empty vessels to God, God will use, he will fulfill, he will fill, and he will empower. So we're either walking in the flesh as the unsaved man under law or we're surrendered to God, filled by his spirit and far exceeding the demands of the law. Every believer is in one of those two positions in their life. You know, you can be a believer and know the Lord and have the new nature and the possibility of filling. But if you allow sin to reign in your members, if you start to think and act like an unbeliever, totally ignorant or ignoring the new life and the Holy Spirit's power and his enablement and his provision, you'll just live carnal. You'll just have a carnal manner of thinking, a carnal manner of being, a carnal fleshly manner of, of, of living. That's the old nature. That's what you were before you were saved. It's not what you now are in your life. Look at verse number 13. For brethren, you've been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. What he's saying here is because you're not under the law is not an excuse to live beneath the law. The liberty, the freedom of following Christ instead of slavishly following law is not a reason to use that as an excuse to lower the standard. Here's an interesting statement. He's teaching us that the new man is enabled to live with such power, such force, such strength, that he is living way above, way beyond the demands of the law, way more than the unsaved man or the carnal man toiling to keep law ever could. So how do you have victory in your spiritual life it's not going back to a performance wave, trying to be good enough as the old man. It's yielding. It's surrendering to the new man so that you are empowered and enabled as you yield to God. And that's complicated, by the way. That's not one thing. It's not one aspect. As you're the new man, there's several things that are going on in your life. You're praying. You're, you're trusting. You're hoping. You're loving. You're walking as the new man. You are, you are exceeding the law. If you love God, are you going to curse? No. If you love God as the new man, 
Are you going to blaspheme the whole the, the, the day? Are you going to cheat God on a tithe? If you're walking as the new man, are you going to be someone who has a wrong relationship with God? No. Good. If you love your fellow man, are you going to lie to him? No. If you love your fellow man, are you going to steal from him? No. If you love your fellow man, are you going to commit adultery with his spouse? No. If you love your fellow man, are you going to hate him or murder him? No. If you love your fellow man, you're not even thinking of that stuff. You're going way above and beyond that, and you're showing him love. Do you see? That's the battle. Who are you yielding to? Who are you presenting to? Who are you placing yourself before? Because there is power in that new man. There is power to live the Christian life like you have, may have never known in your spiritual life. That if you know that new man and you yield to him, now there's a key, there's a little bit of a thing here. It means you gotta be clean. It means there can be no idols. That's one of the big things. That when you come under the new man, like when I'm thinking about the new man, and I've been thinking a lot about the new man, I've got to get clean. I've got to get rid of everything. There can be nothing in front of him. Nothing. Everything has to be out of the way. He is first. He is ascendant in every area, every relationship, every thought, every desire. He is first in my life. That's how I'm yielding to him. And then he's empowering. I mean, then you're a vehicle, a channel, essentially, that he's working through and that he's using to accomplish his purposes. True spirit living, then, enables us to live so much higher. Look at verse 14. For all the laws fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor, even as thyself. But if ye divided, if you bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be consumed not one of one of another. This I say then, walk in the spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. There it is. New, completely new nature. The possibility of empowerment. The Holy Spirit filling you. The Holy Spirit giving you the power to love what is unlovely. To find peace in the most disturbing circumstances. To give you a temperance, a control over your body and, 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 and over your life. The Holy Spirit, he brings that. Do you see what he's saying here in verse number 16? Walk in the Spirit, one foot in front of the other, moment by moment, going through each day, surrendered as the new man to the Holy Spirit and his filling and his control. And he then produces his fruit in your life. So what are you producing in your life every, any moment of every, any day? You're either in the flesh producing the works of the flesh or you are in the spirit producing the works of the spirit. Now, no man is either perfectly holy or perfectly in the flesh. If you are saved, you are never truly all flesh. And if you are walking in the spirit, you still have the old nature. You are never truly fully um, under the control of the Holy Spirit. You cannot become perfect sinlessly perfect, but you can be filled and you can be controlled or you can be carnal and you can be under the flesh as something that controls you in your life. Verse 17, 
For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary the one to the another, so that you cannot do the things that ye would. The two are constantly in conflict. So what will your day be like, the rest of your day be like today? What will it be tomorrow, Wednesday, Friday? What will the nature of it be? What will the fruit of it be? What will the outcome of it be? It depends on who you yield to. It depends on which nature you're following. Now, we're starting to get a little bit short on time, and I have quite a bit more to say. So, we'll move a little bit quickly through it. I just want to go back with me to Romans chapter 6 and verse number 15. So the only way that you cannot fulfill the flesh, the lust of the flesh, is to actively walk in the new man. Actively. So you are presenting yourself to God throughout the day, thinking, I am the new man. You have reckoned it. You've added it up. You've presented yourself. You've handed over yourself to God as the new man, yielding to the leading of the Spirit. He is not grieved through what you're thinking, through the attitude you have, through the, through the direction that you have, you're yielded to him, and he's producing his fruit, and you have a joy, a really deep joy, really full-body joy because of that new nature and that new life that is now within you. As you walk in the Holy Spirit, you overcome the lusts of the flesh. Romans chapter 6 and verse 15. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under law like an unsaved man, but under grace? God forbid. Well, what is he saying? Same thing. Remember, we're going around on the bus. We're picking back up. He's saying the same thing he said just a minute ago. Basically, he's making the point that because you're under the Spirit and walking in the Spirit, it is not an excuse to live a lower way. How many of you know Christians that justify drinking alcohol? I do. How many of you know people who say they're born again, who go to all kinds of R-rated movies and everything else? I do. How many of you know Christians that are, um, say they're Christians born again, they're living together? I do. What are they? They're antinomians. Antinomianism is a person who believed that now that they're under grace and the Holy Spirit is empowering them, well, that is an excuse come way down here and live like a carnal person, a worldly person, really a, a dirty, evil, really sinful life. That Bible never teaches that. That's why he throws verse 15 in there. Because if you get it, you're, under, you're a new man, you're walking in the spirit. He's not throwing out law. Law still judges. I'm just not under law as an unsaved man. See what he's doing in verse 15. What then? Shall we sin because we're not under the law? But under grace, God forbid. Know ye not that to whom you yield yourselves a slave to obey, his servant or slave ye are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness. He's just coming back around saying a very similar thing, that if you present yourself onto the old nature with carnality and fleshliness, because you have the new nature, and you think that you're strong enough and you're able to do it, you're just going to be enslaved by the old nature. You're just going to become under the old nature. And the lust of the flesh, you will do. 
And you'll live a sinful, carnal life. And because you're not surrendered and walking in spirit, you'll just try and perform and fail and perform and fail. You see, the Holy Spirit, he's going to bring me into a new region. He's going to bring me to a new place of empowerment, of living way above, way, way beyond that. I want to show you a statement that I wrote here. You cannot rule yourself, and you will not rule yourself. Either you will be ruled by the old nature onto sin and death, or you will be ruled by the new nature onto obedience of the scripture, obedience of the Bible, and righteousness. You will do one of the two. Every moment of every day, your day is either, the comp it's the adding up, it's the compilation of you were either ruled by the old nature or you allowed yourself to be ruled by God through the new nature and empowered by the Holy Spirit. There's some blend, some mix of that that's going on in your life. And what is a successful Christian life, an empowered Christian life? Somebody that's yielded to God and the Holy Spirit has filled them and used them to accomplish his purpose. But you're not going to rule yourself. If you're ruling yourself, you're actually just walking in the old man, the old nature. Essentially, that's what's, what's, what's occurring there in your life. There's no middle ground. Either it is the old man who is in control and empowered, or it is the new man. Suppose you think of the new man and the old man this way. Two different situations on two different sides of town. Well, think of the new man living under a house, eating the food, being in that new region. But you can cross over to the other side around town, to the old man, the old nature. And you can come under that roof. You can eat that food and be subject onto it. You can live that way without power and of disobedience onto sin or death, or you can be ruled by the new nature. You're not going to rule yourself. Either you'll be ruled by the new nature, or you will be ruled by the old nature, but never both at the same time. You're, you're moving towards one or the other. And so what you are subject to always determines the outcome. The one that you yield yourself to, the one that you present yourself to, is literally the one you become the property of. Look at verse 17 really quick. But God be thanked, you were slaves of sin before you got saved, but you've obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which is delivered to you. You got saved. You were a slave to sin. You obeyed the doctrine, the teaching that was, that was given to you. Verse 18, being then made free, the power of sin has been broken made free to serve God, to love God, to live, no longer under law. You became the slaves of righteousness. You have a new command. When I was in the Marine Corps, I was in a school's battalion in the middle of the desert. They put it there because there was no distraction. It was a very technical school, a lot of dropouts. But once I left there, I received orders. My orders sent me to Oki Camp Kinzer, Okinawa, Japan. So I was given a plane ticket, and I was told, get on the plane at this point, get off the plane, and report at this date to this new command. Until I reported to that new command, I was under the old command. But when I gave them my orders, I was transferred to a new command. Now, 
the fleet, I was in the fleet, and this new base was who I was subject to. God is saying, make yourself subject unto me. Make yourself under my authority, under my control, not under the old nature, the old person to who you were. We do not therefore determine who or what we will become. You only choose who you will give your life to. You will choose which way you will yield. You will simply choose which one you hand over your life to. And if you hand over your life to the Lord, he will bring you to a place of holiness, a place of deep love, a place of abundant provision. He'll bring you to that place because you've given yourself to him as the old nature. Or you can present yourself to the old man, and that's the battle. So I hope you understand that. It's not really what you're doing or not doing. That's sin or not sin. I understand that. But it's really who are you yielding yourself to each day, really each moment of each day. Who are you presenting to? Who are you yielding to in your life? If you yield to him as the new man, as the new creature, you will be empowered onto sanctification. Verse 20. For when you were the servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. What fruit had ye then in those things whereof you are now ashamed? In other words, before you were saved, what joy had you in your sin? Where did it bring you? How far did it take you? The end of those things is death. Being now saved, freed from the dominion, the power, the rule of sin, what does he say? And become the servants of God. That's who and now I am. You have your fruit on to holiness and the end everlasting life. That word holiness is an interesting word. It means sanctification, essentially. Being made free from the power of sin, yielded unto God, you are now made more and more holy and more and more perfect. What is the end of your life? What is God doing? Essentially, he's moving you from what is sinful. He's separating you further and further from that. Really, I mean, that is a summary statement of your life. Here is where you were, in sin, slaving under sin, under the passion of sin, living within sinful thoughts, whatever. He saved you and moved you so you were subject to him. The outcome of that, the realization of that, is you just got more and more separated from sin. So in the way that you think, the way that you act, the way that you behave, you're just more and more, way, way, way over from sin. Look at verse 22 again. There's, there's a very clear statement. Being now made free from sin, from the power and dominion of sin, you became slaves to God and have fruit unto holiness. That's the word sanctification. That's the separation from evil. In the end, you have everlasting life. What will be the outcome of your life? This is just the graphic technical definition of it, but it is rich. The outcome of your life will very simply be who you present yourself to right now as you're listening to preaching. Who you present yourself to as you are singing in the choir. Who you present yourself to as you get home from church and to figure out what am I going to do with the rest of my evening. Who you present yourself to as you rise in the morning. As you go to church and confront that person who causes you trouble. You come across the situation. I'm going to walk in the spirit. I'm going to yield 
as the new man. I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to empower me and to fill me. And he produces his fruit in you onto holiness and sanctification so that you become more and more like him and the person that he wants you to become. Let's pray. Their heads bowed and their eyes closed. For just a minute. If you get what this is saying and you reckon it, you, you add it up, and you believe and you, you are living this, it will change your life. Try this, consistently yielding as the new man. Not so much under the flesh, yes and no, do this, don't do this. I recognize that. That's a part of life. But that's not the main mode. I'm presenting myself unto God, and he's giving me the strength to think differently to hold to different ideas, different values. He's giving me an an abundant love, and I'm exceeding the law. Who are you going to yield to? Who are you going to hand over your life to, moment by moment, day by day, so that he can do through you, what you could never do through your own effort, through your own attempts, your own toiling, presenting yourself to him, he will give you the strength and the enablement to be a woman that you could never be. He will take you so far beyond that. That is the power of the gospel, the power of the change of salvation. That's how it's realized in your life. Who are you? Who are you? Who are you presenting yourself to, handing over your life to, to find the victory and the strength that God has for you?